We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Kirk, Your Enthusiasm, continuing my series of talking to people about their teams because I have nothing to say about the Mavericks. Today, I'm joined by my longtime internet friend, Mason Ginsburg. Mason, how are you? Uh, doing well, and we're going to have a tough uh, competition for which team did the least uh, this offseason because I'm pretty sure we have one free agent, Tony Snell, and we replaced him with the first round pick. So, well, it's see, and I'm glad you brought that up <laughs> kind of right off the bat because I was really thinking about, you know, going back to sort of trade deadline time mm-hmm. and, you know, sort of what that did. If, if you could kind of go over the, the moves made by the Pelicans kind of in the second half of last season, and then we'll like, you know, that does play a little bit into the offseason because when you're without Zion Williamson for a whole year, everything is kind of a building point to that, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, as everyone knows, the, the big – so I think two two parts of the Pelican second half of the season. The first is obviously C.J. McCollum, right? So they traded Josh Hart and Salary Flotsam and a pick that ended up not being a first-round pick this year um, because they made the playoffs um, for, for C.J. And, and so I think Josh Hart – I, I hope enough has been said about him this, this past season because he, he 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 leveled up. I mean, he did. His, he was mm-hmm. having by far his best season of his career last year. Um, so much that you know, diehard culture Pelicans fans were like, "We can't trade Josh. He's just so important to like to you know the identity of the team." And it's like you can get a, a player like CJ who just like has so much clout league wide. In addition to you know, yeah, maybe he's a little overpaid, but. Yeah, I, I what think does that this... mean anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't right? even, It's not our money, and it's like it's so nice. You know, I just. Uh, Mavericks fans have been doing with this all summer. I would much rather have Jalen Brunson overpaid than not having anything. So right. uh, that, yeah. the McCollum thing, it's like, okay, is that a little rich? But he seems to bring a ton to the table. Yeah. I mean, beyond, beyond what's on the court, I mean, yeah, it's he immediately, you know, he's he's got a, a president of the Players Association, obviously. And, and um, you know, I, I think he just, he he brings credibility. He's He's got a presence in, in national media, 
Um, and so you've got a guy that's really helping to try to build up New Orleans as a, as a basketball market. And so, so anyway, so, so add him. And I think the second part, that's really not about acquisitions, but it's really internal development. So uh, everyone's talking about Herb Jones, but I think even guys, rookies like Trey Murphy and Jose Alvarado really became guys in the rotation in the second half of the season. And so, you know, finally, mercifully, Garrett Temple gets moved to the bench, which is kind of the turning point in their season. Uh, fans have been yelling about it for months. It finally happens. Um, and so Jose plays more. And then um, Trey Murphy, who started playing, his minutes didn't start to take off even until further into the season. But you even saw in the Phoenix Suns playoff series how important his role was. And and he's, you know, and there's a real, you know, there's a high hopes for him next season. So a little bit of internal growth, um, but but the big move was obviously CJ. I mean, there's, there, and there's a lot of like, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but some of those guys that you just mentioned in the second half of the season were directly responsible for the Suns being softened for the Mavericks. <laughs> like, I really mean that. Like, Chris Paul's emotional, <laughs> like, he was yep. toast. You know, yep. he had that one game where he hit all those shots, and that might have been all he had. Yep. It, it was crazy. And, and Jose Alvarado basically was in. That was a crazy. Man, I loved watching that series. So, so all right. So, CJ McCollum, second half of the year, we get – Things just sort of trending in an upward position. Then, of course, the um, and I, I'm going to deal with this relatively soon. The way everyone in New Orleans has dealt with it, you guys, the Pelicans finally get Zion Williamson to agree to not finally get him to, but like the speculation just sort of ceases because the man takes the two hundred million dollar check that's on the shocking. table. Shocking <laughs> that he did such a thing, um, and really seemed to. Um, be delighted at the entire process. Like I really loved like the the pressers and the things surrounding him. And now we have kind of kind of the off season. I don't. I just remember seeing. I was at summer league. I do not remember Dyson Daniels at all. He got hurt in the first game. <laughs> and and didn't EJ Liddell too? So Dyson's was a minor injury. EJ tore his ACL. So uh, that was that was tough. Yeah. Okay, so um, summer league was over before it began. For um, Trey Murphy for, dropped thirty in two games, and then he was done too. So yeah, by right. the time I I went to summer league too, and by the time I got there it was the Pelicans' third game. It was pretty much the scrubs at that point. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The Mavericks had had their guy Jaden Hardy, and he was lights out for one game, and then just like terror like we realized you didn't really know how to dribble so then there's there's that there's that element of of the off season which seems to sort of free everything else up to like a lot of probably my favorite part of favorite and least favorite like part of the off season where there's just rampant and like reckless speculation about what the team could potentially look like and you know barring those two sort of on un, un, like you know, I don't know much about Daniels, and I did know a lot about Liddell just because I, I paid attention to his draft spot. Those are kind of two unfortunate things, but you start the season in a really spectacular place. And and what what are sort of like expectations for for Pelicans going into this year? Because this seems like border like borderline dangerous. Yeah, that's the hope, right? And so actually, so Shemit, uh, Joe, and I, uh, we we co-host the In the Know podcast for Boot Crew Media, and so we linked a, in the we, in the show notes, everyone. I appreciate that. No, we, we um we we talked about this. Um, we we did a podcast that we, as usual, thought would be twenty minutes, ended up being like an hour and thirty minutes because we started talking about over unders and looking sure. at the, the stack rankings in the Western Conference. And so, I, I mean, the, the the interesting thing is that the Pelicans are really around their over unders like forty four and a half wins or something like that. And if you take basically 
the CJ McCollum part of the Pelican season without Zion, that was the pace they were on roughly. And so that's mm -hmm. the, that's, so it, it feels like we're being overly, like part of me is like, we're being overly optimistic about this team. But the other part of me is like, no, that they, they were on this 44 and a half win pace or whatever it was close to that without Zion. And now you add Zion. And obviously you can't project out 82 games to Zion. We all know that's probably not going to happen. But even, even Zion for half the season, I, I think there's a lot of reasons why he'd be, well, there's a lot of dollars reasons why he'd be financially motivated to stay healthy this year and try to meet those that Rose rule uh, criteria. So, um, so, you know, I, I think it's, it's reasonable to be optimistic about Zion, even if you don't think he's going to play every game of the season. And if that happens, I mean, they should go over that top total. And, and like you said, there's continuity there. No, there's no free agents. The, you know, what everyone kind of, uh, the, the people who like, you know, focus on the Pelicans pretty significantly are saying uh, the the two guys I, we could see move before opening night are you know uh, Devonte Graham and Jackson Hayes. I mean Devonte, if, if Jose continues to be a real thing, uh, where do Devonte's minutes come from is a fair question because you can't really do a ton of him and CJ in the backcourt together because it's an undersized two undersized guards who can't defend that well. And then Jackson Hayes, he's a, he's a restricted free agent a year, and I don't really know see how where he fits in, especially if they like Larry Nance and want to keep him to an assign him to an extension. So besides that, I mean. The, the rotation feels pretty locked in, so to speak. And so, yeah, I mean, to your point that there's, there's a lot of optimism that this team as it currently stands should be in that 45 to 50 win range, if not higher, depending on how you feel about Zion Williamson and the impact yeah. that he creates. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting. I was looking at this because I was looking at the schedule. Like I always get really fascinated when, because like the Mavericks only played the Pelicans like once in the last 30 games. And it was a game in Dallas. And I was, I went to the game with a friend and Dallas lost by like 35. It was just a bloodbath. And it's sometimes it's really helpful to see like when they play these clusters of games. Cause the, it, and I'm just looking at like when the Mavs and, and New Orleans match up and they basically match up once every 20 games, which is pretty, for me, that's pretty fun. in in the sense of getting, getting, you know, you, you'll get to see a team at different points in the path towards the playoffs because, yeah. you know, both these teams are really, you, the Mavericks have, you know, don't yell at me, Mavs fans. The Mavericks fans are, are basically banking entirely on Luka Doncic being really, really good at basketball. Like that has been the off season plan pretty good plan but still like a, a bit of a one note plan um what the pelicans can do here and sort of the lineups and different things that that seems like the coaching staff is going to have to try to figure out like that's the that's going to be wild because if if they're on a pretty good pace to finish the season what do you do when you throw in you know i mean i don't even know what position you put zion williamson as because it's just like the numbers do, do you remember you probably remember this there was a mavs pelicans game in 22 seasons ago that was like 140 to 135 where it was like neither team could stop the other and zion just basically you know he did the thing where he's just going into the paint scoring going into the paint scoring like when you add this in and i i think fans you know when you don't watch ball for a while we don't watch a guy things tend to like blend out of memory for for one reason or another like there's not there might be like five guys in the league that could bother him going going into the paint so it's like this is going to be really fascinating to figure out how how the pelicans get this to work and this is a meandering way to get to the question what are 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 kind of some pitfalls because you just described like kind of the problem i would like to have of how do we get these good players minutes mm -hmm. yeah. yeah um 
So I think the challenge number one would be um, I'm going to go through some challenges and then potential mitigations, but defense is sure. one, right? So de- defense is, I, I think, I think, I think Jonas Valanciunas is underrated as a defender. I think he's an above average defensive center. Obviously he's not super switchable, but I think he's serviceable and, and is better than people give him credit for. And then you've got Herb Jones, who's, you know, was incredible in his rookie year. Um, but there, where do you go from there? I mean, so you've got some, you've got potential. Jose Alvarado played, he was very feisty, but also he's undersized. Um, Trey Murphy, again, he's got the length, uh, but he's also very young and, and hard to, you know, he hasn't, we got to see him against real competition night in and night out before we can say anything about his defense. Um, Dyson Daniels obviously is supposed to be this very rangy, switchy, great defender, but even as a rookie, very few rookies, Herb Jones is obviously an anomaly. Right. So, so beyond that, the individual defensive talent, Brent Ingram, I will say had by far the best defensive year of his career last year. I think Willie green coming in and I think he's, he's bought in more defensively than he had than maybe he was in the past. So, you know, there's glimmers for hope, but really the defensive overall product for the Pelicans is from a, individual player perspective is not great, but the hope is that you are, you just, your offensive rebounding is so off the charts that, and your offense overall is so off the mm-hmm. charts that you don't have to play transition defense that much. You can get your defense set more often. And so that's, you know, with a combination of Zion and Jonas on the offensive glass is meant to, to help, you know, stop uh, opposing teams from getting out in the break so often. So that's, um, you know, that that's one, I think the biggest kind of, big picture question that you you look at the roster and you say, well, okay, the offense is pretty clear, but where does the defense come from? So I think there's that there are some depth concerns still. Um, if Jonas goes down, it's, it's weird because you see other players as more important than Jonas, but who's the, who's the backup five. I mean, sure. Larry Nance is like six, six. And so he can play, you know, the, he can play backup five as in with the, with the subs, but he can't start games as the center and Zion probably can't either. So, you know, Billy Hernan Gomez, I love the guy, but he's not someone you can rely on to be a starting center for periods of for stretches. And so there there are some depth concerns as well as kind of like the lead guard situation where the Pelicans have enough. The, the starting lamp has more than enough ball handling, especially when you consider Zion, point Zion. But, um, you know, I, I think there are some questions about how do you stagger minutes to create 48 minutes of, of uh, you know, point guard play, so to speak. And so so I think that's a couple things that I would point to as potential pitfalls. Yeah, that's this team is going to be really fun to watch. I will say the defensive stuff seems to be, you know, I had the same, I had very similar concerns with the Dallas Mavericks last year, where I looked at the roster and it's like, well, who's playing defense? Like, you got a couple of really good defenders, but nobody, you know, I, I knew Re- like Reggie Bullock ended up being quite, quite the defensive surprise, even though I thought he was pretty good but more or less it's like all right how do you make these these things work and sometimes it's really you know it's sometimes it's like getting in the right groove and like making things work for just the right amount of time you know to to put you on like a win streak because it's like once you get to the playoffs it's everything is so damn schemed and yep. it's, it's it's kind of like about like getting there and surviving and as long as you're not like a bottom 10 defense it seems like some of these things can really be can really be worked out depending on matchup um one guy we haven't really talked a lot about yet i'm just really curious because i have he just seems like such a divisive player and i'm really glad that we traded lonzo ball already so (laughs) (laughs) tell me tell me about brandon ingram's role because he's getting paid superstar money but it's he's you know it 
where does he fit in the pecking order between McCollum and and Zion? Like, what is he's kind of is he kind of the one one A going going on here? What's what's his deal for next season? I I think for from the the start of the season next year, that's that's what it should be. I mean, you look at what he did in the Phoenix Suns series. You look at what it did, yeah. he did down the stretch for that Pelicans team. Like he he was a legit number one. Um, and obviously there are, you know, the, the Suns were a better team, uh, you know, top to bottom. Um, but I think Brandon Ingram has earned that. Um, he's really earned that, um, you know, that, that claim with the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. And I think that him and Zion, their, their games are different enough where, and, and there's enough possessions to go around. Um, one of the things I, I asked uh, Schmidt last podcast was really about where does, how does where, how does Jonas eat? You know, like with with CJ, with Brennan, with with Zion. Where is he even? And the the, the commentary is like, well, he there's enough garbage baskets for him to eat up, especially in staggering minutes playing him with some of the bench units. And I, I think there's more than enough possessions to go around for these guys. Um, and I think CJ at this point in his career isn't gonna. I, I think he would almost welcome not having as much of an offensive load. And so I feel like it really is going to be Brandon and Zion as far as that one A one B for this team, and then. CJ's your, you know, he may end up second in point, or I, I think he'll end up third in points per game, but um, there'll be nights where he might be number two. There might nights he may be number four. Um, and so I think that, that there's not first delay there, but, but BI is, is that guy and the Pelicans are treating him as such. Yeah, that makes sense because, you know, you mentioned it earlier. We, particularly me, I have hopes for Zion Williamson because I did place a $10 bet on his MVP candidacy at plus 6,600. I was really, would really love for that to pay off. Um, but it's, you know, you assume, let's just be realistic with these, some of these, these guys who really foray into the paint, Luke has the same problem, you know, playing more than 75% of the season, you end up getting like banged up over time. These guys that have buttery kind of a little bit more of an outside game seem to survive Mm -hmm. kind of the physicality a little bit better. So it's, it's all the flash might be on Zion and eyes just because he's the one that draws all the SEO and everybody's attention, but you know, he's, it's, you're kind of describing uh, uh, Brandon Ingram as much more of the the workhorse running back, and that's that's really it's really interesting, man. I am not looking forward to playing the Pelicans. This is just well, like I, I go ahead. No, I was to say like, I, and I feel like the one thing that gets overlooked with Bi is that so two years ago he had this major uptick in frequency and and, and efficiency from the three point line. It regressed mm. big time last year, and he was still not quite, but almost as efficient as he was the year before. So, you know, I don't really know where he's going to land. That's one of the big questions for me this season is, is where does B.I.'s three-point shooting end up? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the reality is somewhere between the last two years. But, I mean, if he can get back in, like, high 30s, that's a – it's going to be – Pelicans going to be even tougher to guard, um, which is, like, no no shit. If he shoots better at threes, that they're going to be better. But I think just last year he wasn't – people were – you know, people expected him to be better from three-point range, and I think he'll he should be able to bounce back a little bit there. So, last question, and then I'll I'll let you go. Where do you think the Pelicans end up falling in the? Um, let's just just kind of rank the Southwest Division, this murderous, terrible division, which I can't escape my entire adult life of ever actually having the best team in the division. Well, I think it. I think it's fair that the Grizzlies, Pelicans, and Mavericks should not. None of them should finish worse than third in the division. I think we can go that far. <laughs> okay, you never um, know those damn spi- feisty Spurs. They're frustrating as shit. Who have the lowest over under the league, which is which is still hard to comprehend for me. Right. Um, but yeah, it's so it's it is interesting. Um, I think they are. I, I really put them fairly close to to Memphis and and Dallas. 
So the thing with Memphis is that Memphis has Jaron Jackson Jr.'s injury to deal with. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, Dallas and Memphis, the rosters got worse. Not mm-hmm. that much worse, in my opinion, but they did get worse. Um, and the Pelicans are at least holding steady, if not improving. Because the thing, the other thing that I pointed to with the Pelicans is what player on the roster will, will get worse from last year? And really, right. I think the only one you could potentially point to is Jonas if you think that he's just wearing down and maybe can't play at the same level for as many games. Um, I, I haven't thought much of, as much about CJ. Maybe CJ's a candidate for regression too, um, just for for age reasons. But um, I mean, the he rest might be of the taking Ross- a, a lesser role. So right. It's like is that, you know, that, that wouldn't be a regression. That'd just be kind of a shifting around of numbers. That's, that's my thought too. Um, and so beyond any sort of injury risks, I, it's just, it's hard to find where this Pelicans team, like they're, they're on the, mostly on the right side of the aging curve. And so um, I, I think they'll be at, at minimum be as good as last year, plus adding Zion Williamson and then get better. And so it's, you know, I have them in that same ballpark of 40, like I have Memphis, the uh, Dallas, New Orleans, all in that upper forties win range as like a median outcome. And I think, so I, I wouldn't be surprised in any order uh, with those, with those three teams. Um, yeah. It's a cop out of an answer, but no, I really no, think that's a, that that's exactly where I am. And like my, my gut instinct, because I just don't take the Grizzlies seriously. I, I just don't. I just, I, I, I had my, my guy's name's Parker Fleming. He runs um, Grizzly bear blues. And I kind of mm-hmm. sat like, I really love their roster, but I don't, it's like, like to me, as much as I liked watching John Morant play, talking about him and Luca in the same sentence is fucking disrespectful. And you know the, the the Grizzlies won more games without Ja last year than the than the Cavaliers won without LeBron James in his entire first stint in Cleveland. That it, it's just they're they're such an interesting weird team, yeah, they are. and I think they're capable a lot. But I also think it means there's a little bit of variance where it's I don't know. I could just be completely off base. The West is just going to be such a bloodbath. There's probably going to be a lot of like injury based stuff where something gets like shook out in the wash because look. My, my, if I'm being a Mavericks homer and I, I think like I would tie the Mavericks win total directly to like a Luca Luca games event. played or, yeah. or that too. Yeah. I, no, no, that's it. I was going to say something like that earlier in the podcast. Like it's, if you're going to take the over on the Mavs and you you're going to be super bullish is, them. Yeah. Cause, cause if he plays less than 70 games, they're not going to win more than 45 games. Like I, but you know, it, it it's I don't know. What having watched basketball for so long and all these guys in the early two thousands that played eighty two games a year, I'm still wrapping my mind around the fact that guys just don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So it it throws elements of this discussion off. I really do love like the clustered home and home like baseball series stuff because I think that can really throw like kinks in these divisional races. Cause you know, you mm-hmm. take like like if you take like a two game lead over, you know, winning two of those, but it's kind of hard to, to like make up that ground, even though it's an 82 game season. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know as much near as much about gambling, but I like, I like looking at these things in terms of that because it can give you kind of some perspective on what kind of like the betting public and then experts actually think about where these teams are going. So I'm going to keep a close eye on the Pelicans because I just, so it's like, it, it's just like the Grizzlies. Like I, Maybe it's because I watch Mavericks all the time, but like I'm really sick of watching half these guys play, and the Mavericks never have any new players. It's just like Luca and some dudes. So, oh. so I'm gonna well, I'm gonna keep an eye on these guys this year. It's gonna be fun. My um, I think my my boldest take for when it comes to the Pelicans this year is that assuming 
Assuming Kevin Durant doesn't go to Phoenix, I think the Pelicans can finish ahead of the Suns with the way their rosters. I just, I don't, I, I, I buy, I don't buy. I, I think just there's a lot of negative regression candidates. Chris Paul obviously being front and center. Jay Crowder, um, I, I don't know. Um, and I, then there's think, a disgruntled Aiton potentially too. Like, oh, that see, that's the big one for me. There's something fundamentally broke there. Like, how do you piss off Monty Williams like that? That yeah. seems to be a capital offense. Like whatever he did, is insane. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. like the nicest man coach in the world is just like next question when talking about him. Yeah. There's there, there's smoke there, and obviously when, you know, with Robert Sarver in charge, how could they fail, right? But like there's just there's there's a lot there that's quite has me questioning things. And so if Kevin Durant does not have NMP Phoenix, I think I mean the Suns are still a playoff team. I just yep. don't. They could be a, a road first round playoff team. I think is certainly on the table. No, we'll probably have one of these finishes where something like three to four games separates like six teams. That's just kind of how the West always seems to to finish up. Well, uh, do you have anything you want to plug before you get out of here? Um, no, just uh, uh, so Booker in general. So Schmidt and I joined the, it's a local uh, New Orleans media network. So we went from Blue Wire over to Booker a few months ago. Great, great team. Um, and, and we're still doing the In the Know podcast. And so you can catch up, catch us on, uh, you know, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, where we're doing everything, you know, audio and video. So uh, check us out if you got any, um, uh, you know, or still check out some Pelicans content. And um, we'll uh, definitely for when we play the Mavs this year, that's for sure. I will be linking to some of this stuff in the show notes. Everybody go click through. Uh, give uh, Mason a follow on Twitter if you want to see him yelling at various Lakers fans now and again. Thanks so much for your time, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right.